And now, a word about our sponsor. The Kinky Boys podcast is brought to you by How to Kill a Superhero, the BDSM book series by author Pablo Green. If you ever fantasized about a juicy muscle beast encased in lycra, bound and gagged, then your moment has arrived. This book series is for fans of superhero fetish, bondage, and transformation fetishes. The books are available in paperback and Kindle at the Amazon store in 13 countries. Book 3, Transformation Fetish, is out now. And I can tell you folks, it's a brilliant, brilliant read. Try it out yourself. The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. And I'm Adam. And this episode we're being transatlantic. <laughs> yes, I'm in San Francisco now. Yes. <laughs> yes, you fully emigrated to the... I'm off in Neverwinter and desperately fighting the pollen at the moment, but that aside, it's awesome over here. <laughs> well... I know you never really get winter, but don't you get lots of rain and fog? Eh, um, the fog just sort of comes and goes. Uh, it's mostly wind, actually. <laughs> it's windier than London, and I didn't think that was possible. Really? Well, I suppose it is surrounded by mountains right on the edge of a sea. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, English people talking about the weather aside. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, well, to celebrate your emigration to be with your daddy, we could talk about the differences, similarities, assumptions and expectations of different kink communities around the world. By around mm. the world, I mean America and Britain. <laughs> and the Netherlands, maybe a little bit, because yes. you've just been there. Yes, I have. I was on a Wolfpack excursion to the Netherlands to demonstrate do demos at the Eagle and lessons. Was that with the Amsterdam Kink, uh, Amsterdam Kink Academy? Yes, yes. Uh, they Plug. hired us in, uh, thanks to you, because you knew them and got us involved. Nepotism, yay! Oh, please, it's how the kink community functions. <laughs> Everybody knows everyone else. So my daddy knows his daddy, and that's why we managed to get a job. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's just like politics. Yeah, pretty much. Politics in the kink community? No. Gasp. <laughs> so, yes. So, shall we begin with your side of the pond? Sure. Um... So, as best I can tell, the kink scene in the US is significantly more community-based. There's far more events, and there's far more charity fundraisers, and there's far more fundraising to get representatives to other events. And equally, that means it's a lot more political, because you, everybody knows everyone else, and it's whether or not they're behaving in a way that you think is appropriate given the situation. Um, so, for example, the UK doesn't necessarily have quite as much of a leather scene as the US does. In the US, 
you have bar nights where everybody is going to be in leather and they're going to be working to towards some sort of goal, at least ostensibly. There'll be raffles, there'll be charities, there'll be mm-hmm. events happening. And it's sort of, again, more community-focused and less just sex-focused, which yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, there is a dog in the background. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. Yeah, that's... <laughs> this will be edited. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, this really differs from the English one where it's actually much more sex-based. Leather is basically seen as a dress code for a lot of sex nights and to a degree social nights. Um, but there's no real... There's no ostensible reason why everyone's getting together. You don't need to get together for something. You're just getting together in leather. Yeah, you're getting together to be together in leather. There's no fundraisers normally. There's no raffles. There's very little in the way of, um, like, sash communities. Mm. I mean, that is the big thing that America puts out to the world, partly because the whole point of their sash communities are to be outward representatives. Mm. Which is far less in England. I mean... Well, we're much smaller. You don't need to have a single representative that you send elsewhere to represent your values. You just go. It's only two hours up the road to get anywhere. Well, you say that, but there are some sash titles in England where they do advertise we'll be sending this person to IML in America. But they don't use them for anything. Cough, cough, cough. Yes. Politics. This year, Mr. Leather UK could not afford to. Oh, that's... Yeah, we've just gone about how political the US is with their leather scene. Although it is bubbling up in England. We're getting there. Yay! Drama is following us. It's like a soap opera all over again. Oh, it is. It's But in sexy clothes. It's like Game of Thrones with more leather. Game of Thrones with actual penises. Well, yeah, um, basically to go into it for our listeners, all the juicy gossip. Um, <laughs> the last couple of years, uh, the London Leathermen have been doing Mr. Leather UK in with expectations. However, turns out, I think it's Bristol Leather West, another area of England for those not unknown, um, basically trademarked the name Mr. Leather UK ages ago and just sat on it. And now they're threatening to take legal action because it's their title. Wait, are Leather West being patent trolls? Yes, exactly. That and, seems a bit rude. Oh yeah, and they it's caused a stink and Manchester Leathermen aren't dealing with them and, you know, Community drama. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> and Hooray. Then the, and then the Vipers from Dawn came and had a trial by combat with a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the mountain in this case? Oh, I don't know. I really do wish Thorn Bjornsson was into leather. Can Me you imagine? Too. <laughs> I mean, we do have some bears who are particularly big and muscly. Uh, no, Darren. but not world's strongest man. 
Although, no. no England's England strongest man instead. Yes, yes. We do have uh, title holders in the powerlifting community. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yes. Um, so yeah, England's far less organised and far less political and it is much more focused on sex. Which in turn does mean that uh, the community is starting to shrink as financial pressures arrive. Because, well, Vauxhall's rent prices are all going up dramatically, which in turn means the bars and venues need to start looking for what's going to be most profitable for them. And a bunch of maybe 30 guys coming together to have sex is a lot less profitable than 100 people coming for a house dance night. So when you can't have a group of people who will always come together at least once a month for a reason with the idea of spending money in mind, you're not going to raise anything like as much money just to keep an event going. Oh, yeah. I mean, around London, the leather community has really suffered because of basically gentrification. Um, It is growing in other areas of the UK, though. That Mm. is worth mentioning, especially... Um, Manchester and Leather West Yep, Manchester, Leather West Birmingham's actually getting quite good So yeah, it's basically shifting around And there is, in England, I feel this desire to be more political To an extent To an extent, yeah Yeah. I mean, going into my recent trip to Amsterdam It seems like there they have the right balance Go on it's very much still about the sex. But they do have proper leather titles that are, you know, they have to go through a proper election process, not just cheering from the crowd, like some titles I can mention. <laughs> it's, it is, you know, they're before judges, they're given proper hard questions, expected to do displays, really put through the ringer before they can earn a title. And mm. they're expected to use it. Uh, yes, uh, crap, I've completely drawn a blank. Never mind, ignore me, edit this section out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they still have that, um, sort of free-going, it's about sex attitude. That's going to be a lot harder to achieve in America. There are, um, a lot more rules about what you can and can't do in public venues, Um, than there are in Europe. Um, You will almost never see a live sex show in the US. Um, And as far as I can tell, that's just because um, each state gets to set its own rules regarding um, essentially public decency. And they have decided to be safer and more prudish than Europe. And I mean, you can't ignore the wider culture. America is by far much more puritanical than some of the more continental states. Uh, Conservative, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some cases where if you're wearing a jock strap, you need to also wear an inch-wide strap of fabric down your butt crack. Oh, yes, I keep hearing about that. I mean, there's also the thing of the AIDS crisis massively changed the leather community's focus. Hmm. I dare say in the 70s, from what I know of it, from those older and wiser than me, well, not always wiser, um, there's this 
it was much more about sex and then when AIDS came along it had to be about fundraising and it was seen as a much more clandestine way of having sex and it sort of mm. became a safe option and basically charity drives. That would make a lot of sense. Once sex becomes dangerous, you're going to not have it as much, especially when it is as risky sex as, say, fisting, where you are going to be inflicting more damage on um, each other and you do risk have a greater risk of whatever infection you're passing than just normal um, yeah. penetrative sex. And there was this thing of, you know, in BDSM, you can do much more that's under the umbrella of sex that isn't penetrative. Hmm. So, so I get the impression that has a lot to do with shaping how San Francisco, well, most of American leather culture is. Well, you used to live in San Diego, so you'd know better than I would. You've spent yeah. more time here than me. Well... San Diego, I never really got to see the leather scene per se. The leather guys I did talk to, they had a very romanticised view of England in the fact that it was just all sex. It's like, oh my god, you guys are so kinky over there. You don't bother with any of this, you just go into what you like. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but do you know how many English people are complaining that, you know, there's not the enough protocol and... You know, that standards are slipping with uniform nights. And... People just walk in wearing jockstrap and harness and all of us keep throwing shade and not talking at them. Yeah. Oh, yes. All the bluff guys just posing in the corner, standing and modelling. <laughs> that, I have to say, unfortunately, was one of the problems I ran into with in Amsterdam. Really? No one wanted to be part of the show. Because obviously we teach through show and tell, you know, we if we're doing or not, we expect people to join in. We literally had to, well, figuratively, we like literally, figuratively had to pull them by the noses in and do, make them do it. So completely aside, turns out um, the dictionary recently redefined literally to also have the meaning figuratively. No! Because that's how it's used. So the dictionary had to record that. God and damn, so now there is no word. <laughs> We're not French. We don't have the College of Linguistic Purity. I'm so sorry. yes, there is now no longer a word for exclusively literally. I just... Oh no, that upsets me. That upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> but... I'm surprised you had that much trouble because when I was there teaching electro um, a few months back, we had at least a, at least three people who were sufficiently excited by the idea of the um, what we were teaching that they were happy volunteering. Admittedly, I did have to prove it on myself first before any of them would go, oh, but it looks too painful. Oh, it's not actually that painful. OK, I will try this. No, in all three workshops the Wolfpack done, we had real trouble getting people to come forward and try stuff. Wow. Which, you know, in, in you know, as you know, in our English lessons, that wasn't really a problem. Mm. So how goes the English lessons? Because I know that the Eagle essentially dropped the night and we were looking for a new venue by the time I left. Has there been any progress with that? Uh, yes. 
Now, because thing, the eyes haven't been dotted and we're still negotiating some stuff, I am going to have to be cryptic. We, but the the wolf pack will be returning to regular service soon at a new oh, venue, wonderful. probably, and with a brand new sponsor. Oh, congratulations! Yes, yes, and we will be hosting the fetish week um, uh, masterclass Master night uh, at the Back Street this year. Oh, great! Good luck with it. Hopefully, it's as crowded and as fun as last year. Oh, it is. We're also working to improve on some of the complaints from last year that not everyone got to be involved and it wasn't that much of a lesson. Because obviously Mm. Fetish Week is the most crowded night of the year. We have trouble getting to everyone. So we're trying to work on a way to include more people. Okay. Good luck. (laughs) Yes. And back in. Yes. Um... So it's quite odd, this. I mean, I'd love to talk to um, Sir Dart, who we've had on the show and is your granddaddy, um, (laughs) basically because he travels a lot more than we do. Just get his views on this. He would know a lot better than either of us. Still, he's coming over for um, Fetish Week, so a couple months' time you'll be able to interview him in person. Oh, yes, I intend to. And I'd also like to get... um... Our other host, the long-forgotten Michael, um, who's moved <laughs> to Switzerland. And I'd like to get his view on the Switzerland thing. So I'll probably be doing a follow-up interview of him later. Great. I yes. do not envy you having to edit and stitch all of this together, though. Eh, well, if I was getting paid for it, it would probably be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, and I'm also working on Speaking a... Speaking of bit getting paid, our sponsor is still How to Kill a Superhero. Yes, Book people... three was recently released. <laughs> yes, and tries singlets, and he now sells rope. Oh, awesome. And very soon we will be doing an author's commentary with him. Oh, great. We'll I go... should probably finish book three in that case. You haven't finished it yet? Ooh. No, I... I was reading it in the park and then I put it in my backpack and forgot to finish reading it. <laughs> well, it's quite intense. I don't want to spoil anything for the listeners. Well, it starts out good. <laughs> so I look forward to seeing how it continues. Yes. So since going to San Francisco, what have you been up to? Uh, it's mostly been um, adjusting to new life, getting everything that I needed from the UK back over here. Mm -hmm. And um, there's been a few nights we've been to. There's this... So the Eagle in San Francisco doesn't just do fetish or just dance, but absolutely everything under the sun. Last week, we ended up going to a video game night there where there was everything from the NES in one corner playing um, classic games to three different screens with and the new Super Smash Brothers, and just nerd after nerd after nerd playing everything and everyone else just being really sociable around it. It was a surprisingly packed night and very enjoyable. That sounds amazing. And I think that has that is a good strategy. I think gay bars in particular need, especially leather bars because they're such a niche group, really need to try and go the independent bookshop route because independent bookshops are nowadays thriving 
After all the trouble mm. they've had, they seem to have stumbled onto this formula of being joint community centres where they don't just sell books, they host things and try and bring people <laughs> together for select things. Because uh, I've always wondered, maybe the future is in, not in gay bars, but gay coffee places. Like Coffee Cake and Kisses in London or Wicked Grounds in San Francisco. Hmm. Where they're communal spaces, you can act out your niche there if you need to, but it's also just there to be sociable. Hmm. And quite frankly, cheaper than a bar. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. The free market will always find some niche. That's true. That's very true. Still, if you want to get in on the ground floor, I'm sure you can get a business loan. Uh, I've still got to decide what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, adulthood. I'm finally out of university and now I don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, if I could, I would just make a career as a podcaster, but, you know. And I don't think we're sufficiently mainstream yet to start hosting Patreon. No, no. <laughs> so yeah, apart from that, um... <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't think there's anything else we had left on the topic list. We kind of left it a bit light this week. Yeah, between you moving and... Uh... <laughs> And, and having, you finishing university. And having Amsterdam. It's a bit... I do want to um, also interview David. David is the head of a leather family um, who put us up and stayed with... Um, well, actually, we in stayed Amsterdam. above the Eagle. Yeah, in Amsterdam. Wonderful leather family, and I'd love to have him on to talk about his family's dynamic. We should definitely do that at some point. Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. this can be a part of an episode then. Yeah, as I said, I'm going to um, include a few others. Cool. Um, 